Hi, I'm Carla Wainwright. And I'm Little Leah. And welcome to the Radical Sex Witches podcast, where we explore the themes of sexuality, feminism, consciousness, love, healing, ritual, magic, and all things witchy and wonderful. Hello, all you harlots of horror. Welcome to another episode of the Radical Sex Witches. I'm Little Leah. With me, as always, is Carla Wainwright. And guess what? It's Halloween! The best holiday of the whole year. Fucking A it is. It's our pretty much, well, I know it's my favorite holiday. Is it your favorite holiday? Absolutely. It's my favorite holiday, hands down. (laughs) Wee, we're sick. We're twisted. Come down this rabbit hole with us. But before we dive in, we have another shout out to give to our listener. Um, Emmy4444 from Canada. She says, hilarious and supremely educational. I'm loving everything about this pod so far. It's full of really awesome info and topics I, I ne- I'd never think to explore. So keep going. Thank you so much. That's an awesome, awesome review. It is. And we fully intend to. So keep listening. <laughs> so we're actually going to be diving into not necessarily Halloween. We'll cover bits on it. But Sawin, you want to take that over? Like. <laughs> It's not Sam Hain as much as it's spelled like it looks like that. Yeah, exactly. So we want to talk first about the pronunciation. Like Leah said, it's not Sam Hain, even though I guess phonetically that might be how you'd say it. So the word Samhain is uh, Gaelic in origin, and it's pronounced Samhain. So like S-O-W-W-I-N. Um, and it actually means summer's end. And just a quick note on, so when we're looking at the turn of the wheel, um, they have, of course, these really beautiful Celtic names. And uh, if we haven't learned any um, Gaelic in our lifetime, which most of us haven't, um, even though we may you know, have some ancestry, um, some Celtic ancestry, you can go onto YouTube and, and look up like pronunciation of whatever, Beltane, Samhain, any of these things, and you'll find it. So um, if you're unsure and you think you might brutalize the word, just head over to find uh, a native Gaelic speaker to actually. (laughs) Or ask Carla, because honestly, I didn't know that that was how it was pronounced until I met you. And I was like, it's Sam Hain. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and I honestly, like when you say Samhain, um, I've seen other people pronounce it even different, like third ways, like Samhain. And I'm like, hmm. Okay, well, whatever, teach their own, right? Yeah, and there's probably differences depending on whether it's like Irish Gaelic or, right. you know, in Scotland or something like that. And um, yeah, for sure. But it, it's a little bit of a tricky word because there's an M in there and it's it's the silent M. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no W's either. Like, how are we getting yeah, M-A- S-A-M-H-A-I-N? To like S O W W I N as a pronunciation. Yeah, it makes it makes it sound like it's a pretty hard language to learn, especially if you're reading. <laughs> reading, you're really reading. fucking it up when you're. It's not what you think it is. So you're reading these books. Okay, so now that we've got the pronunciation all figured out, um, Samhain is a traditional Celtic holy day, and it's one of the the turns of the wheel that marks the midpoint between the autumn equinox, which is the day of equal, dark, and light, and the winter solstice in late December. Of course, that's in the northern hemisphere, uh, the shortest day of the year. And um, Samhain starts on October 31st, but only at sunset. 
and it ends at sunset on the 1st of November. So it actually kind of carries over. I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah. Carla, I learned so much with you. Well, that makes me happy to hear. Thanks, Leah. <laughs> and so we've got a little bit of mythology here, which we've talked about when we've covered some of the other turns of the wheel. So this is the time in which the sun god dies and leaving the goddess, who is now in her crone stage, the wise woman, and she's mourning him and he will be reborn again at Yule. So this would, this would be the winter solstice, but without the light and warmth of the sun God, the world turns dark and cold uh, nights grow longer plants and trees are dying and, you know, things get, get chilly as um, that kind of winter energy starts to come over the earth for the next many months. And Samhain is also considered to be the start of the witch's new year. And it's one of the most powerful um, if not the most powerful, powerful Sabbath uh, celebrations um, of all for witches. Yeah. And um, as we mentioned in our previous episode, it's also when the veil is thinnest between the worlds. That's right. That's right. So what does that mean to you, Leah? Because maybe not everybody knows what that means. When the veil is thinnest mm -hmm. so that the dead can cross over into the living a little bit more easier. And we did talk about that in our other, other October episode of Hecate. And yeah. just, you know, her, how she travels around with her hordes of ghosts and ghouls and outcasts, because it's easier to get through those crossroads at that time. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, it can mean that um, spirits come over that are not invited, but it's also actually a really powerful time to connect with loved ones who have departed That's and, right. and uh, really make the most of those connections. Because like you said, the veil is so thin um, over this day. Yeah. And last year when, I mean, we're in the thick of the pandemic, you did a virtual breath of bliss, Samhain, um, you know, present, not presentation class. <laughs> and that was all dedicated to the, you know, people that have passed on that, you know, yeah. have been linked to our life. And that was a very powerful experience for myself. I've done a couple of those classes with you, but never like that. And, you know, there was, if you listen to the last episode of talking about dead people that like me, there were a lot in my house that night. That's for sure. Yeah. And I think that it's actually a really beautiful opportunity to connect with those people who've departed. Um, you know, it, it's funny, like in the West where we, we have all of these sort of weird um, and not always healthy ways of dealing with death and dying and, and people have departed. Right. And um, I think that Samhain actually gives us an opportunity to reconcile some of the things that we might not have been able to complete in the grieving process or in the communication process or anything like that. So it's actually a really beautiful opportunity. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. And again, if, you know, Carla ever offers one of these uh, breath of blisses again, and it's online and you're somewhere else in the world, take it. You will love it. Thanks. <laughs> and they're not all related to ghosts. Trust me. So. No, they aren't. <laughs> and we have talked about them in past episodes. But I digress. Carla, if I want to celebrate Samhain, what can I do? Sure. So I'm, I'm going to share what people traditionally did. And a lot of that is stuff that we can continue to do. So, so one of the biggest ways people celebrated was with fire. Uh, so Samhain is a, traditionally a fire festival. And it would be celebrating the third and final harvest. And so lots of bonfires. 
And the bonfires served a few different purposes, like they were celebratory, they allowed people to come and gather, but they also provided protection from the thinning of the veils to appease the spirits. So to keep things illuminated so we could see what was coming, um, and also as an offering to those spirits. And there'd be lots of sacrifices um, of things that they'd harvested or maybe animals. I haven't heard of human sacrifices, but who knows? Fingers, fingers crossed. Because who those knows? people aren't alive to tell you that that happened to them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and apparently the Celtic and Druid priests would also take part in the rituals uh, with the dead. And they would receive information from the spirit world about the coming winter um, predictions, warnings of illnesses and disaster. And so, you know, of course, in the Northern hemisphere, winter is pretty tough mm-hmm. and um, having an opportunity to me perhaps be prepared and get those messages from the dead would be really, really important for people to kind of plan their survival strategy. And um, the fires were also, you know, done not only to appease the spirits, but also to, um, yeah, to prevent like any dark spirits or otherworldly monsters from coming through over that night, because uh, those spirits could, could, you know, wreak havoc on the lives of the living And ancient Celts, they would wear costumes um, to hide from spirits so that spirits wouldn't know who they were, but also to scare them off. So we see (laughs) kind of like these beginnings of like the Halloween costumes that we're familiar with today, but this is really where they come from. And the other thing that they did, which was so awesome, they would carve scary faces of evil spirits into not pumpkins, but potatoes and turnips. What was the point of that? Well, yeah, just to kind of ward them off, right? Oh, like, ooh, ah, this is scary. I know. In case they don't know that they're dead. Yes. And um, and they're like, why are potatoes and turnips ruling the world now that I'm gone? <laughs> I don't really like turnips, so I think that's a good use for them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you have listed here two big exploration opportunities for people over Samhain. Yeah. So just to get back to what you're asking, like, what can you do? Um, I'm going to share a ritual in a moment, but, but definitely bonfire and having people over is a great thing to do. Um, So I think, and, you know, especially where we live here by the end of October, it's pretty cold. So having a nice big bonfire is, um, is a really nice way to come and gather in community. And uh, from like an exploration opportunity, there's a couple of things. So Samhain is thought to be what's called a liminal moment. So like we, we already talked about the border between the physical and spiritual worlds is at its thinnest. And so the supernatural can penetrate our world and be experienced. So this is an opportunity, like I said earlier, to connect with departed loved ones, to communicate with them, to honor them. Um, you know, maybe there's a piece um, in your story with somebody that needs to be resolved and have some closure in some ways. So you can take advantage of the, the energetics around that um, over this night. And there's also the opportunity within our own selves. So, you know, we talk about the, the spirits that are coming from somewhere else, but we also have our own internal shadows. And um, those can become really apparent and illuminated over Samhain. And not only our own shadows, but the shadow of the collective. Um, and so really giving yourself some time to feel into, you know, what, what is perhaps acting as a shadow in my life that um, is holding me back, that is perhaps, you know, making me 
do things in unhealthy patterns or ways and really bringing those shadows to light. And, and, you know, that this is also part of the idea of like a full moon, but a bonfire can also act as that illumination in the darkness. And so um, that's something else that, that you can look at as well. Amazing. So what is the difference then between Samhain and Halloween? So the origin of Halloween is is believed to be derived from Samhain and and probably in our description so far, that kind of makes a lot of sense. You're seeing a lot of similarities and parallels, but of course, things changed, um, you know, with different cultures throughout the years. And of course, Christianity has to get in there because that was (laughs) the the predominant force of uh, influence, um, you know over the last at least 1500 years in, in Europe and in um, Celtic society. So All Hallows Day was a Christian alternative to Samhain and it originated in medieval England and it celebrated the lives of, of faithful Christian saints probably was super boring and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, very pious. Um, and what's interesting is it was actually celebrated on May 13th, but the priests and the powers that be decided, well, we're going to move it to October 31st and call it now instead of All Hallows Day, All Hallows Eve. And uh, so it's just kind of like co-opting. So that happened all, you know, we have Christmas, which falls almost right exactly with the um, the, the solstice. Like there, there were these holidays. Like, I don't think they thought Christ was actually born on December 25th. I think they think that he was born way into January, but they, they, they move these holidays around to integrate with pagan beliefs to kind of take them over and create, you know, a more Christian. I don't know. I don't know what I want to say, like a Christian mindset or paradigm shift or something like that. Right. Um, So all Hallows Eve started to be celebrated in a Christian way on October 31st. Um, So there was already kind of like probably a blend between the Samhain festivals with the fires and things like that, but then integrating with the Christianity piece. And then in the second half of the 19th century, of course, uh, well, now we're, we're moving into North America, but millions of Irish immigrants fleed the potato famine and came to America and introduced their celebrations um, of All Hallows Eve into North America. And this mixed with the colonial Halloween festivals that had been going on for you know, since people, uh, Europeans, not people, Europeans came over to, to, um, the Americas, but they were more focused on ghost stories and mischief making, um, wherever there weren't the Puritans, apparently the Puritans didn't no fun, no fun for you, (laughs) (laughs) but where there was no kind of Puritan, um, colonial outposts, then, then they were into ghost stories and things like that. So then by the 1800s, Halloween parties for kids and adults became more common to celebrate the day. And they focused on games and foods of the season and festive costumes. And there was actually a really concerted effort by the church to shift things away from more of the supernatural and the ghost stories and the and the goblins and the witches. Like they tried to make it, they basically, you know, wanted to make it uh much more palatable to Christianity. And so they just sanitized. Yeah, exactly. That's the word sanitized things. And um, between 1920 and 50, the centuries old practice of trick or treating was revived, um, which is actually something people did for a really, really long time. And, um, you know, parties focused on games and foods and all sorts of stuff. You're going to say something. Can we just like pause for a second to talk about trick or treating? Yes. 
I need to like, I'm putting this out there. I need to start a petition or some bullshit like that. So growing up, trick-or-treating was like the best fucking night, man. And I remember as I got into being a teenager, people were like, you're too old for this. This is for kids. And I was like, okay. And then as an adult, everywhere that I've lived, children do not trick-or-treat now. And if they do, they are going to the rich people's houses. Like I can count on my hands how many fucking trick-or-treaters have come to my door. So like I've always said, if a teenager showed up, if an adult showed up, if anybody showed up to my house on Halloween in a fucking costume, I would be so happy. I would give you all the candy. And why can we not have teenagers and adults out there trick-or-treating? Like if I got to roam the streets, you know, in my disgusting Halloween costumes that I create, like I would be happier than a pig in shit. Or if like 20 adults came to my door dressed up, I would be like the best day of my life. Yes. Because no one is bringing their children to the ghetto. We have candy motherfuckers and a lot of it. <laughs> and good candy too. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I, I, you know, so my kids are teenagers now. They still trick or treat, but there has been a very, uh, perceptible decline in trick-or-treating. It's like, it's, it's, so it's sad. This, it is so sad. And I think, you know, it's kind of an indication of just parents being Stranger so consumed danger. with fear, or I, yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's ridiculous. Like trick-or-treating is one of, it, it's like the most joyous evening for a kid imaginable. You get to like oh be God, wired yeah. on sugar run around like a crazy person knocking Fill on the door case with all the candy with all the stuff. Get. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh-huh. And so, um, yeah, we, if we get five kids, that's a good night. And I get like one yeah. my whole adult life for all the houses I've lived in. I could count on like two hands and it makes me so sad because I just like, I want to see people in their costumes. I've like flagged people down in this house because occasionally there have been trick-or-treaters outside and I'll be like banging on the window. I'm like, I've got candy. Come here, come here. And then like the one child comes and I'm like, here's a whole fucking box. And they're like, oh yeah. Wow. I know. I know. I really go all out. Like I carve a bunch of pumpkins and I, you That's know, so I dress up, I do all the things. Last year though, I did go with one of my daughters and I was the plague doctor and uh, I actually trick-or-treated <laughs> Okay. So I'm only five <laughs> one and it's like, can I still get away with it? In my twenties, um, I was living in a house, you know, uptown and my girlfriend was visiting and we're like, we were going to go to a party later, but it was like, Hey, let's just make some really quick outfits and go see if we can do the strip up here. Cause it was a busy road and see if we can get candy. We got a lot of candy, but there were questionable people. And I'd kind of crouch down a bit and I'd be like, trick or treat in a little kid's voice. <laughs> we got fucking hooked up large. And I think I was like 24, 25, 26, something like that. Oh my God. I mean, it should be for anybody if they come to your house dressed up. I, I agree. And I tried to do like the little kid voice. And I think my daughter was mortified. She said like, what are you doing? <laughs> Carla, maybe you and I should just go out trick-or-treating together this year. I know. Oh I God, know. Yes. Yeah, I agree. It's such a joy and delight and anybody who wants to do it should do it. So if you are feeling too old and you're listening to this, fuck that, get a yeah. costume and go trick or treating and have fun and just like, yeah. And if someone says you're too old after they close the door, you take a shit on their doorstep, <laughs> light it on fire and leave. Is it a ghost shit though? It's a ghost shit. We don't know what we're talking about. You have to listen to our previous episode because we still think that shit we talked about ages ago was funny. <laughs> Those poops. 
But hey, Halloween is still a like a massive deal around the world, even though people are not coming to my house to trick or treat. Is that that's correct, right? Right. Yeah, I think I mean, this might even be an old statistic, but I think that it accounts for just the United States, six billion in sales. Jesus. And it's the second biggest holiday after Christmas. So well, it makes sense because like, if I think about it, while I haven't been trick-or-treating, I do go to a Halloween party every year and adults go all out with their costumes. And I know I go all out with costumes. Like I make the most horrifying thing you can think of. And if I've made you uncomfortable at a Halloween party, then I know that my job is, you know, been done correctly. Like I love that. And I don't like being mean to people like on every other day of the year, but Halloween, like I've had an entire table of police officers stink eye me when I dressed up as the silent Hill nurse and they hated me and they got up and left. Like I was just like, Hey, I had people that wouldn't even come near me in some years. And I just, I live for that shit. Yeah. It's like your one day to let your freak frag flag fry fry fly. (laughs) And you know what? Last year I didn't get to go out because, you know, obviously the pandemic this year, restrictions are changing a little bit. So I do get to go out. So I keep saying like, this is going to be like Caligula. It's going to be fighting and fucking all over the place because people have just been pent up and now we get to go out. And I mean, by the time that this episode airs, it won't be a secret anymore, but I am building Baphomet, the horned goat God, and I'm going to be Baphomet with tits. So I want to see what that looks like. I shouldn't be saying it in case I fuck up my mask. I tried to do the first round because I always build with plaster strips, all these masks. And um, I started to freak out because it's getting a little tight around my face. And I was like, ah, and took it off way too early and fucked it up. So I've got to try again. So <laughs> if I don't follow through with Baphomet with tits, no, no, I don't give up in life. It's going to fucking happen. Will you post it on Instagram on our page? Yeah, I'm going to post it on Instagram right? oh, on our Instagram. Yeah, uh, maybe. If you're, I, I always try to post stuff that includes both you and myself. So you better, are you going to dress up and do stuff in your neighborhood? I'll figure something out because well, I then, feel like yeah. our listeners want to see this costume. Yeah. So whatever you're going to do too, then. So yeah, we'll do a dual post on our costumes and go from there. Awesome. So do you want to talk about some rituals? Yeah. I just want to leave you all with a ritual. Um, so this would be like a Samhain ritual, not really a Halloween ritual. Halloween and rituals, getting shit face drunk and waking up in the morning and not knowing who's in bed beside you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a great ritual to me. <laughs> so that's ritual number one. <laughs> it's your Halloween ritual, but a Samhain ritual. Yeah, your Samhain ritual would be about this. This now feels like such a, a boner killer now that <laughs> we started with the getting <laughs> drunk <laughs> and having a strangers anonymous fuck. <laughs> But anyway, if if bringing closure um, to grieving or to honor a family member feels important to you this year, this is a ritual that you can do. So um, creating an ancestor's altar. So placing photographs, heirlooms, mementos. Um, it could be a family member. It might be um, a friend. It might be a pet that you really felt mm. very close to. And you can put lots of candles and then you can have those kind of um, Halloweeny things like treats, chocolates. You could have apples, nuts, anything, some kind of food that's an offering. Uh, you might want to wear black and anoint yourself with some delicious oils or scents. And um, as you light the candles, speak the names of the 
the people or the animals or whoever it is that has departed out loud and express your gratitude for being part of them for being a part of your life and you being a part of their lineage. And then in this space that you've created, just close your eyes, drop in and listen. And you may be surprised at what comes through for you. You may really be able to hear some wisdom, a transmission come through something that is really, really powerful. And yeah, just give yourself the spaciousness for that. And then of course, you know, maybe writing down anything that you received in a journal, if it feels especially important. And, you know, I, I really believe that our ancestors are loving ancestors, not, you know, not all of our ancestors were epic people, but lots of them were, they, they really want us to thrive in our life and be happy, whole and fully realized beings. And so when we honor and acknowledge the importance of our ancestors, it's like these relationships can become a transformative source of healing, support, and empowerment in our lives. And, and I think for a lot of us, this piece is missing in the grieving process or letting go process of, of um, beings that were important to us. And so making the space, especially on Samhain, when the veils are so thin and the opportunity is so powerful for communication and transmission, um, yeah, it may, may be an opportunity for you to get you know healing that... Um, might not otherwise be available. That's beautiful. I like that. Thanks. Oh, well, you know what? We've covered a lot in this episode. I kind of don't want to finish it, but we do. I mean, it's like the best fucking day of the year. Maybe we can just have one last jam out of it. Like it's the best fucking day of the year. <laughs> spooky, spooky boo. Again, <laughs> remember that thousand dollars to everybody. Shut up. <laughs> I think that was in our previous episode. Again, we're crossing the streams, just like fucking Ghostbusters here. Don't know which we're talking about where, but I guess we should wrap it up. Um, Next time, we're going to be getting back to the sexiness with a show called What Makes You Horny, Baby? Or Does That Make You Horny, Baby? That's not a really good Austin Powers. Can you do a good Austin Powers? Uh, No, but I'm going to practice. I I have a bunch of lines that I want to (laughs) share. Okay, party people. Hope you have a great, safe Halloween. I'm little Leah. I'm Carla. We are the Radical Sex Witches, and we will see you next time. Hello, witchy listener. It's Carla here. If you're feeling disconnected from pleasure and unfulfilled in life, reach out to me and let's connect on a free call. I love helping women like you shift to owning your sexual power, reconnecting to your body, and finding your unique radical sex switch within. Go to carlawainwright.com or find my contact info in the show notes. Let's co-create a life for you that is truly turned on.